0: Just because we're doing the personality source out of order of the DSM, Amy, it's gonna be okay.
1: I can just see the table of contents and it's messing with my mind. What if someone's reading along at home and they need to follow in logical order? <laughs> and it's you right, say we can I'm compulsive. <laughs> in the beginning of the history of experimental observation or any other kind of
0: observation on scientific things, it's intuition. It's intuition which is really based on just experience with everyday objects that
1: suggest reasonable explanations for things. Hello and welcome to Two Shrinks Pod. I'm Amy Donaldson and I'm joined by Hunter Mulcair. Hello. Hi, how are you?
0: Yeah, not too bad.
1: Yeah, hanging in there. (laughs) <laughs> so tonight we're going to be talking about histrionic personality disorder. We initially recorded this episode and the following one together in in one night, but we got really chatty, and so we've decided to split it up into two, so that it's sort of easier to manage. So tonight we'll be mainly hearing from Hunter about histrionic personality disorder, and then we'll have little things we came across and then next week. I'll do the bulk of the chatting and Hunter will do the things we came across. Yes,
0: and we're going to be talking about...
1: Borderline personality disorder next week. Yeah, that's it. (laughs) Yeah.
0: So so these are cluster B personalities Mm -hmm. and cluster B personalities are known as the sort of angry and impulsive personality disorders.
1: So it's these two and then we'll be following up our BPD treatment episode by talking about antisocial and narcissistic personality disorder, which are the other two that... Go in this cluster. Yeah. Yeah. It's a
0: very, very interesting cluster. Mm. Perhaps and as a clinician, you see them much more frequently than cluster A personalities.
1: Yep. Or cluster C probably too. Mm, I'm mm. not sure. Maybe. Depend. We'll figure that out.
0: <laughs> 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 we well, look into it. C- certainly cluster B personality disorders strike a lot more fear into the heart of yes. clinicians and healthcare workers. Yeah. Uh, There's a
1: lot more stigma and attached to it and a lot more, yeah, trepidation. Yep,
0: <laughs> yeah, definitely.
1: Yeah. So, as usual, we'd also like to ask you to go to our website, all the rest. Everything's Two Shrinks Pod. So, we've got website is two twoshrinkspod.com. Email is two shrinkspod at gmail.com. We're very creative. So, <laughs> let us know what you think. Rate us on iTunes. All of that stuff is really helpful.
0: Yeah, rating us on iTunes or even if you can leave a written review, it's mm-hmm. really helpful because it helps people find the show. Yeah. So, this is a quick mention. We're on Twitter, mm-hmm. uh, Two Shrink at uh, Two Shrink's <laughs> Pod. At the time of recording now, we are currently running a online poll. We'll probably finished by the time this pod gets edited out. I think so. We discussed <laughs> the correct pronunciation of personality trait or personality tray. Yeah. Uh, and in the last pod. And,
1: and we were going to well i was planning on keeping it just you know a private conversation and then then hunters put it on on i got, twitter.
0: I, got I got a little bit bored and so i put a poll up on twitter yeah. so saying you know do you pronounce it tray or like trade or Trey, like me <laughs> if if you listen back to the last podcast yeah you i am I'm, I'm i'm not actually a consistent tray sayer no uh, i flip backwards and forwards mm-hmm. I did phrase the the poll as in, is it tray? Hunter's right. I mean, or you trade? do
1: say tray more than you say trait. Yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. Anyway, you so tend
1: to say Trait if other people around you have said trait a bunch of times.
0: <laughs> so the so the current poll has got ninety votes and ninety two percent of them are for Amy's <laughs> pronunciation of trait. So.
1: Thank you, all of you people out there. <laughs>
0: it's got, I've got 8% of friends. That's it.
1: Yep. And Tundra's also put this on Facebook, on our, on our private accounts, and a similar pattern has been
0: found. <laughs> what, what doesn't get reflected is the wholesale mocking of, of, of me by my friends and yep. colleagues. So but yeah. that's it.
1: Well, that happens oh. in private.
0: <laughs> I think actually it's to do with like, so it's an old English, like it's the English version of saying something. And mm. so there's American academia. Yeah. It's, it's so predominant, but also it's like, it's kind of like it's well, but there's two T, so why wouldn't you say it? Yeah. It makes a lot of sense. So anyway.
1: Yeah. And it seems to be variable about where you've studied and yeah. things like that, who you've yeah. learned it from.
0: And also like, it's a, like within psychology thing. Yeah. There's like some friends at a children's birthday party today. They're like, it's a trait, mate. Yeah.
1: <laughs> and perhaps that's, that's a little bit it as well about who you're communicating mainly with. Yeah. Like whether when you're talking about those things, for you maybe it's mainly with clinicians. Yeah. Whereas I think there's something about work with children and parents that often you end up having to explain concepts far more. And yeah. so you say it in the way that they'll understand. Yeah, yeah, totally. So, you know, but yeah, we'll see how the poll turns out. I don't think you are expecting such a landslide. <laughs> no, I was definitely not. <laughs> you were hoping for some sort of tension. <laughs> I think maybe
0: 60, 40, 70, 30 I would have been happy yeah, with. Yeah, yeah. So...
1: Can't help you <laughs> anyway.
0: Anyway, um, so, <laughs>
1: so shall we get started with histrionic? Let's go to it. Okay, so
0: we're gonna talk about histrionic personality disorder now. I had, great. A, I had a great time reading about this, it's interesting. Disorder, yeah. like, I really, um, which is kind of funny because I was thinking about like, is that just my cam transference, like, or am I doing like what's called parallel process?
1: Were you starting to feel histrionic?
0: Well, I got really excited, so um. <laughs> So the phrase that Millen, the personality guru, talks about, which mm-hmm. says to describe this disorder is, make me the centre of all your attention. <laughs> right? Yeah. And so I think of this disorder as being very dramatic, and I think, keep that in mind as you're listening to this. So, the, Have you
1: worked with many people who have had? Uh,
0: I wouldn't wouldn't have said a pure mm. histrionic PD. Reading it, I've, I've sort of maybe thought that I've had... More people have had traits of it, yeah or traits of it I think as a sort of observation like on observational placements, there were some, yeah, but I certainly started to wonder about whether I'd come across some, yeah, as I was reading about this, if yeah. that make sense you yeah, yourself
1: uh, one one pops to mind yeah uh, didn't have the diagnosis, and I didn't diagnose it, yeah, but certainly the the dramatic, and dramatic despite consequences. Yeah, right. Which we can talk through the criteria, but yeah. yeah.
0: So, the, so the main feature of this personality disorder is a pervasive and excessive emotionality and an attention-seeking behavior. Mm-hmm. It begins in early adulthood, present in a variety of contexts. And I think that's very, very key as you're listening to this. I mean, it's always key with any personality disorder, but particularly with histrionic personality disorder, that like... You may think that this is you, or mm. you may, or you may think that this is people you know. But it has to be like not just in their emotional, like in their relationship with their boyfriend or the girlfriend, but it's got to be with at work, yeah, and people on the street, yeah, and people they know from or well, if they go to church, church, yeah. or if they go to blah, blah blah, like whatever, right? Yeah, every setting, every setting, mm-hmm. right? Pervasive. Mm-hmm. So five of the eight. The first one. This individual is uncomfortable in situations when they're not the center of attention. Mm -hmm. So they're lively and dramatic, can charm new acquaintances, but this wears thin as -hmm. they continually demand to be the center of attention. And if not the life of the party, they might do something dramatic, Mm -hmm. cause a scene, make up stories to try and draw focus to themselves. So the, the way I think about this or what I was thinking about it when I was reading was like reality TV. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, is a, like a really good way of thinking about people who like not everyone on reality TV would have, historic personality sort of far from it, no. but there's certainly trait elements like that,
1: yeah. right? Of uh, enjoying being in the centre and seeking that that
0: seeking out, that. Yeah. and particularly things like sort of like Big Brother or something yeah. where there's like no skills involved, yeah,
1: and where there's no private time yeah. where you are constantly being watched, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. yeah that kind of stuff. Yeah. So in therapy, this can be seen by behaviour towards the clinician, being flattering, giving mm-hmm. gifts, dramatic symptoms or, or descriptions that are then replaced by new symptoms at the mm. next visit. Yeah. So you'd be a bit, bit, bit perplexed, and you could get drawn in, and then mm-hmm. it's like, oh, what was going on there? Interaction with others that's often characterised by inappropriately sexually seductive or provocative behaviour. Mm-hmm. So this is beyond what's appropriate for a social context, and occurs again this wide range of relationships. Social work, professional, that kind of stuff. Third one is like emotional expression, maybe shallow or rapidly shifting, which is kind of like so you can start to sort of see that overlap with BPD and histrionic personality. Consistently use a physical appearance to draw attention to themselves. So, like, overly concerned with impressing others with their appearance, Mm -hmm. spending excessive money, time, energy on grooming and clothes. Yep. They fish for compliments, read their appearance, and excessively upset about critical comments or unflattering photos.
1: And I feel like this one—it's often distinctive clothing or distinctive something about the appearance that really draws out that comment. So it, it, it's different to people around around them as well. Sometimes yep. so that yep. sort of there's something striking yeah. that then elicits those comments.
0: Yeah, it, it's not that. Oh, you've just bought some new boots no. and and one friend didn't notice it. Yeah,
1: or you always have a good haircut, or yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like
0: it's it's they've gone to a big effort mm. to wear something and yeah. dress up dress a particular kind of way. Yeah, and someone took a bad photograph of it, and they're like ridiculously upset about mm. it, or that no one noticed. Yeah, and so they're very dramatic. This kind of yeah. thing kind of comes to mind. They have a style of speech that's excessively impressionistic but lacking in detail. So, strong opinions are expressed with dramatic flair but the reasons for whatever that opinion is are vague. Mm. They're diffuse, no details. So, for an example, they might not be able to provide examples of someone's good qualities who they said was a wonderful person. Yeah. yeah. But, oh, so why are they wonderful? What's wonderful about them? Oh, they just are. They're just yeah. the most amazing person.
1: You've never met someone so amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Right.
0: And... They show self dramatization. Mm-hmm. Is that, yeah. it? Yeah. <laughs> Is
1: it dramatization or dramatization? Dramatization. Dramatization. <laughs> Next week's poll
0: <laughs> <laughs> shows self dramatization, the- theatricality, an exaggerated expression of emotion. So, examples, they may embarrass friends and acquaintances by excessive public displays of emotions. Mm -hmm. So, embracing casual acquaintances on the street, right? With excessive ardor, sobbing uncontrollably on minor sentimental occasions, temper tantrums, Mm -hmm. making them all about themselves, right? And particularly with people who they don't know that Mm. well, right? The Uh,
1: intensity feels out of... Yep. Is inconsistent with the relationship. Yeah. Yeah. So...
0: The, the, the last The last criteria speaks to that, so and what's interesting is that their feelings can be turned off and on mm-hmm. very very quickly, too quickly, yeah to be deeply felt, so others will feel like that person's faking it mm. right or they'll uh, or they'll be directly accused of that yeah. right they have a high degree of suggestibility, so their influence by others and current fads, be overly trusting of strong authority figures, mm-hmm. right? Who they see is magically solving their problems, adopting convictions quickly and acting on hunches. Yeah. So this is like shallow, attention-seeking, mm. dr- dramatic yeah. individual. A key thing is they consider relationships to be more intimate than they really, really are. Mm-hmm. So describing other acquaintances as my DD friend mm-hmm. and uh, another would, another one that they refer- talked about was like referring to ph- physicians they might have met in a professional circumstances once or twice by their first name yeah although i, I wonder whether that was a cultural thing because like in australia you you frequently would know your doctor well mm. you frequently would know your doctor's first name yeah it might actually be like they might be saying oh, you know i'm kylie or i'm blah, yeah blah, blah, you know that yeah. kind of thing so but it, it fits with that kind of thing and so you know this is like they consider these relationships to be more intimate than they really are and then they act accordingly yeah and then people' are just like, what? what's like, going on here? like what is going on? That kind of stuff yeah so it is interesting because like you you listen to these these symptoms, mm. and it's pretty easy to kind of pick out people who've got elements of this yeah right
1: it's a very it feels like a very public kind of public facing kind of disorder, yeah something that's not. Yeah, it's not hidden. It's all it's all about how things look.
0: Yeah, yeah. and like re- they'd be a real drain to be around yeah, yeah. if they were in your life, mm. that kind of thing. D- so other aspects, difficulty in an interpersonal relationship. So they, in a romantic relationship or sexual relationship, they often act out a role of being a victim or a princess. Yeah. Right? And I'm using gendered language here. And so all the all the literature I read, which is an older... Uh, textbook but it's very much sort of saying well a lot most of the research is on females Mm -hmm. who've got histronic pd yeah and you can sort of see that histronic pd has a very much uh, a gendered description yeah yeah it's it's the it's it's an extreme female stereotype
1: yeah in western culture in western culture yeah yeah yeah. Yeah.
0: and and there i did come across something that said oh you know that Antisocial pd is mm. the extreme male yeah. stereotype and they're wondering whether th- it's
1: actually the same it's the
0: same but mm. for different genders that's really it's, interesting yeah it's really really yeah. fascinating kind of idea to kind of come across sort
1: of extremes of our social construct of gender yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah that kind of yeah. stuff
0: so when we like so I'm, I'm trying to be like so when i'm talking about like i'm trying to be open in the fact that this is gender biased yeah. right yeah. like rather than but it is interesting. Same-sex friends, they may, so female histrionics with their female friends may have impaired relationships because they're seen as a threat to their friends. Mm-hmm. So, so the, the the histrionic personality disorder person, woman, would be seen as a threat by their female friends to yeah. their relationships
1: okay yeah so because like, of that so like if you have a, you have a friend and, if you have yeah.
0: a friend who's got this disorder then you'd be feel threatened by them because they may come and steal your husband yeah right yeah. Kind of, it would be the would be the idea mm. like if all those things follow through yeah. right? <laughs> <laughs> um, so that, and they alienate friends because they the need for attention yeah It's kind of stuff people just get worn
1: out by and you them. can imagine as well with that sort of more superficial interaction that then as the person on the other end you're not Feeling that same sort of reward of the connection yeah. with someone either yeah. so and they get bored,
0: yeah, so history personality that they, they get bored, they lose attention, they, mm. they just, like and so it 's like oh shiny thing, oh shiny thing, yeah Ooh, shiny thing, yeah. Ooh, shiny thing. Like I think my note here is like they don 't like activities with delayed gratification, they mm-hmm. just get tolerated, mm-hmm. they tolerate they 're frustrated, they might start off okay, but interest lags. Long-term relationships are neglected for the excitement of new relationships, mm-hmm. right? Yep. So, as opposed to borderline personality where if you engage, if you are able to engage someone in mm. borderline, with borderline personality into therapy and they attach to you, yep. then it can be very difficult to, to end, end therapy. Yep. Histrionic personality is, is the other way around. Yeah. He said, "Like, yeah, yeah, this is going to be great. This is yeah. going to be awesome. I'm really, you know, I really nah, get along with you. Like I feel it. really, really keen." And they're like, "Yeah, well, I'm, oh, therapy's boring." Yeah. Right. So you can sort of start to see how therapy's going to be really complicated. It's unclear if there's a high suicide risk. They did say DSM suggests that there's a suicide risk. F- the, the risk for suicidal gestures is high mm-hmm. to get attention and coerce caregiving. Yeah. So, and if suicidal gestures, some of them are going to be yeah. work right. Uh, comorbid with like a whole lot of problems, mm. histrionic personality disorder. So somatic symptoms. So that's that conversion of...
1: Experiencing distress as a physical
0: symptom. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Stosoma is of the body, yeah. right? So conversion disorder, depression, other cluster B personalities and also dependent personality disorder. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of... Other, there's, the prevalence they've got is like 1.84%. Okay. So gender sounds like a fairly female-orientated stereotype. DSM-5 says in clinical settings, it's higher for women, mm-hmm. but not different to the ratio of females in these settings. So, you would see okay, that there's yep. more females in a clinical setting yep. getting treatment than males. Mm-hmm. They, it's not disproportionate. Yeah, and then they said that some studies using structured assessments report similar prevalence between males and females. Okay. It, it sounds to me like it's not settled. Yeah. Um, is is what I... Kind of got just as a general thought, started think made me thinking about like how the internet has really made people histrionic mm, yeah or or has perhaps uncovered are people are allowed to be more histrionic
1: yeah, it's more permitted in
0: yeah in current society which than is like than what it to, used to to be. react dramatically to the news of the day yeah and to uh i guess or to
1: have that sort of persona and display display yeah. yourself. Yeah, publicly on social media yeah, or things like that. Yeah,
0: yeah, it's, yeah, that's it. Yeah. yeah, all fits. Yeah, that kind of thing. So the theory part of it was fascinating. So yeah. I'm going to like get right into theory go here because I thought it was really, really interesting because it it gets at a couple of things. First of all, so this so there's this idea of hysteria as opposed to histrionic. Yeah. Right, and this is a really, really old, old. Mm-hmm. Notion. So, like when I say old, like ancient Greece, yeah, like um, Hippocrat, Hippocrates? Uh, Hippocrates, 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 <laughs> Hippocrates, Hippocrates. So, Hippocrates he yeah. talked about believed that hysteria, which is so the the notion of hysteria is emotional, intense emotional overexcitement and conversion of emotional conflicts into physical symptoms. Yeah, right. And Hi- Hippocrates believed that hysteria was caused by a wandering uterus that yeah. travelled the body and took up residence in the brain, exciting its neural <laughs> tissues Sorry, during I menstruation. Still
1: it, I still find it amusing.
0: That's it. And the, they, those views held till about the, the mid-19th century. Yeah, yeah, because right?
1: Freud and people like that still talked about hysteria being about being based in the womb. <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah. Yeah. It's, it, it's a pervasive. It's it, lasted it, for a long time. It,
0: it's, it's interesting... And <laughs> it's
1: still used, like, it's not used, obviously, in that way, but it's a very gendered term that's rarely used towards men. It's yeah, al- see, it's like, because,
0: because men don't have a womb, so, yeah. so men, Even now, men therefore, couldn't be hy- hysterical. hysterical. Yeah. yeah, right, that kind of thing, so... Yeah. I mean, it also it's interesting because it's like in this quote. I mean, I don't know if they are in the, the original Greek, but yeah. you know, it's exciting the neural tissues during menstruation, which is kind of like that's the one part of it. It's like, well, you know, maybe there's yeah. you know hormones do actually affect yeah. like things, but, but I don't think that that was really what they <laughs> knew what they were talking about. Anyway, no. so what was what I found really really fascinating was in my reading about this was that Freud and his compatriot Brewer Mm. in the 1890s had a famous hysterical patient called Anna O. Yeah. And they used hypnosis with her to uncover unconscious conflicts. And they developed this theory that hysterical symptoms were a result of sexual molestation, memories that were intentionally forgotten. Yeah. And that once these memories were recalled through hypnosis, they actually found that the symptoms disappeared. Mm. And so that's... That's a really, really profound idea in psychology and psychiatry, which is that, like, so this is the first theory of neuroses, but that behind every, quote-unquote, neurotic conflict lies a forgotten childhood trauma. Yeah. And I I always say trauma in inverted commas. And and then these experiences are said to be repressed, which is a defense mechanism, and that currently, you know, making the unconscious conscious Mm. is still one of the primary goals of, of therapy. Yeah. Give or take, right? Which is it's like you know you suddenly remember that like on your first day of school, blah 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 happened, yeah. and everyone laughed at you, and that's why you. And that's yeah. one of the reasons why you still have this thing about sort of tracing that pattern. That that pattern yeah. back, like that's that's a yeah a loosely. That's that's an idea that's very true for schema therapy, for cognitive therapy, yeah. for all sorts of types of therapy, right?
1: Yeah. just without the wandering womb.
0: Yeah, yeah without yeah. the wandering womb. <laughs> you know, like like kind of...
1: Keep everything in the same place and then track <laughs> things backwards. <laughs> <laughs> no. <But> <laughs> <laughs> My therapeutics feel all, all wrong.
0: That's it, that's it. We need to talk about your wandering womb. <laughs> um, so, well, this is why I found it interesting. Because yeah. like, oh, you know, that that's a profound... Psychological thing, which is mm. like you need to talk about what's happened, yeah. like or like where does this come from, like mm. how come you worry about this so much? Blah blah. blah. Freud pr- proposed that hysterical symptoms were a result of unconscious instincts that were threatening to seep into your consciousness, mm. and secret wishes and desires is a key part of like trying to understand those is a key part of psychodynamic yeah. work. What he was also interesting was he found that in hypnosis, when you can kind of access that unconscious, quote unquote, that actually a lot of those memories can be quite unreliable as well. And so that that was sort of a profound thing as well. Like it mm. wasn't just like, oh, a tape recorder. Yeah. I was like, no, no, these things are messy and yeah. there's desires complicated. and complicated and that kind of stuff. So the cognitive perspective of um, histrionic personality sort of overlaps with the psychodynamic, right? Mm-hmm. It's interesting. So basically it talks about cognition and defense mechanisms merge together as as a single protective purpose. A compulsive person would focus on the detail, be precise, whereas a histrionic PD is vague, diffuse, scattered. Yeah. Impressionistic. They don't appraise anything. Nothing is thought about in too much detail. It's too boring. It's too threatening. Their attention moves too quickly. It's too scattered. So, which is, you know, completely opposite to a compulsive person, right? Yeah. Their scheme is about the world and themselves are poorly defined. They have a poor sense of identity. So they're not good at comparing the past with future possibilities. They might say she says dramatically, Oh, I just lie in bed all day, but actually finds time to go to work as a yeah. dancer or yeah. or whatever it is that she does, right? The flightiness and this broad overgeneralization serves to avoid potentially painful feelings mm-hmm. from stressful events, that yeah. kind of stuff. So like it kind of they have this It has a function. This style. Yeah. Is rewarded, yeah, and so therefore it sticks around, mm. right? So Beck suggests that they have core beliefs of like, you know, I'm basically unattractive. I need others to admire me to be happy. They so they then and they develop these compensatory beliefs. They're like, well, you know, I'm very lovable. I'm very entertaining. Mm. I'm the life of the party. Yeah, that kind of thing. And so you have this conditional belief that flows from the core belief. Like, if I can't captivate people, I'm helpless, mm. right? So this idea of like. This con- conditional belief is like, if I do X, then Y will be true. Yeah. Right. If the classic one is like, if, I, if I'm perfect, yeah. then I'll be okay. Mm. You know, or they will love me. Yeah. They also have this like belief of like, I can go by my feelings. So they act on emotions mm. when perhaps reflecting yeah. on their emotion would be better. So they would cry if they felt sad, mm. or they would have a tantrum if they were angry. Yeah rather than kind of going, I'm angry. Yeah, now am not going to manage like this. Like, they, they allow it to bubble yeah. up, right? Psychodynamic Perspective offers some suggestions about the development of female histrionic personality. So, they sort of talked about mothering of the child is inadequate, cold, and insensitive. And so, that's leaving them to feel afraid, isolated, unappreciated. So, they turn to someone else. Mm-hmm. They turn to their father while devaluing their mother, mm-hmm. right? And... Under this theory, males are strong, females are viewed as weak. The individual she then also starts to not only view her mother as weak, but views herself as sort weak. Sort of internalizes that. Yeah. yeah, And then they would suggest that without a f- female role model, that that part of the personality then atrophies and mm-hmm. is replaced by a loose set of behaviors that conforms to social stereotypes. Yeah. Uh, that elicit male desires. Hmm. They talk about... You know, the use of seduction is effective in gaining attention, so it would be rewarded. Yeah. And then there's this, like, repression of sexual desires towards dad or to others because they're a child. Mm. And then they have this, like, false maturity of hypersexualization. Okay. So, it's, like, a really heavily gendered yeah. description. It is, and yeah. It's a very white Western. Yeah. Particularly older men and women do different things. To yeah. Perhaps even 30, 40 years ago. Yeah. So. But... It's still an interesting way to sort of think about... You, you could sort of see how that could potentially work or variations within that could mm. work, if yeah. that makes sense. Yeah. Studies suggest that despite their sexualized nature, female histrionics have actually poorer sex lives mm-hmm. on the whole than, than on a whole host of different measures, Yeah, which I thought was interesting. From a psychodynamic perspective, they talk about the superego versus the id, which yeah. is your impulses. The ego which is kind of like decides what to do and then the super ego which is what you should do, mm. that kind of stuff. Yeah. And they talk about that you develop the superego as you get older, mm. like from parenting things and like that and they're saying that in histrionic personality that's poorly developed. Yeah. They have like a like a poorly developed superego and the id can take over. Can take over a bit more, mm. that kind of stuff. So mm. I mean, I'm I'm not a psychodynamic uh, yeah. therapist by any stretch of the imagination, but it's sort of interesting to kind of read it and kind of go, yeah, okay, that actually kind mm. of fits. And like, really what they're sort of saying in the cognitive stuff is that there's part, you know, they're, they're, there's part of them that's poorly developed in terms of their own sense of self. Yeah. It's a, kind of, there's a lot of overlap.
1: Yeah. There's a lot of overlap. It mirrors one another. Yeah. Yeah.
0: That kind of stuff. So, yeah. You're looking at me worried. I'm talking psychiatry, which she's like, "Who well, is I, this hunter?" Uh,
1: yeah, I, I'm. I'm just stunned. <laughs>
0: it was like when I talked about neuro stuff on like yeah, a pod like, the other week.
1: You're way. always rolling your eyes. Why are you?
0: <laughs> I know that's why I was so excited. Like, oh my god, it actually makes sense. Um, so I'm going to go on a diatribe about therapy for a bit because I thought it was really, really interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, as opposed to my other diatribes about therapy, where I thought it was really, really interesting yeah 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 yeah, 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 fair yeah yeah so to rename <kook ăn> the pod <laughs> what's that diatribes diatribes at so it's written that they rarely seek help mm-hmm. so society rewards many of the aspects of being histrionic yeah L- they're the primary relationships they're likely if they if they have primary relationships, they're likely to convince themselves that everything's okay because mm-hmm. you know they've got all the superficial stuff, they've got the car, yeah, if they've got a partner, they've got a partner, they've got the kids, blah 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 um if they're and if
1: you're not spending um much time kind of reflecting on what's going on or things like that, then therapy isn't much of a draw, really
0: no no it's, no well actually why would I spend time? Well that's it. Yeah. Well like because well, like those who seek out therapy want immediate relief from their distress. Yeah. Right? Once that distress is immediately relieved and what we know from a lot of therapies, you you go and see a therapist for one or two sessions or mm. three sessions, frequently the distress drops. Yeah. And then you go, Yeah, man, I'm feeling really good. It's mm. actually gonna be quite a key time for people to drop out. Yeah. Whereas ther- like longer term therapy and therapy for a personality sort of particularly requires mm. introspection yeah. and being objective things that someone and it's would, challenging yeah it's, they would yeah. find it boring yeah yeah. so or threatening like as you say and so they somatize like mm-hmm. with histrionic pd like and so if there's someone that kind of gets upset and then they develop physical symptoms yeah the family but also the med- medical teams will give them the attention that they want mm-hmm. or at least initially
1: and presumably probably more likely to present for medical treatment yeah. than for psychological yeah.
0: treatment. And so they, they, in the reading I did, they talked about, well, they'll often be unsuccessfully referred from ED yeah. or from or from a medical ward. Mm-hmm. The patient will get the attention that they want yeah, and then won't want to go see the a therapist, right? Mm. So you know, then they may be someone that develops symptomatic s- symptoms and then they resolve on reunification in their relationship. Yeah. Stuff. So, so what, what I thought was really interesting: demographically, most therapists are female, mm-hmm. right? Histrionics view female histrionics may view them as weak, yeah, and also as competitors. So, histrionic females mm. they naturally seek out male therapists, yeah, their preferred source of attention and support, mm. which is really interesting. And yeah. I was, I was really like thinking about the gender dynamics in, yeah. in therapy, yeah
1: especially if you have someone whose tendency is to sort of flatter and yeah. and um play up to that sort of i
0: i can easily think of a lot of clients i've had who said to me i've worked with female therapists yeah and it's never worked but i've worked with you yeah and i'd like to think that's because i'm a good therapist but i think often it's really actually it's, it's probably it's something else yeah it, i mean there's lots of other reasons but the gender dynamics can frequently be that kind mm. of thing. Yeah. Also, because there's a lot of people who will say, "Oh, I know, I'd only ever see a woman therapist," mm. and have very sort of biased opinions. Yeah. About seeing a male therapist, mm. and quite interestingly, kind of yeah. have a look at who that. Who seeks <laughs> out who? <laughs> <laughs> who seeks out who? And whether that those biases are actually correct. Mm. There's lots of good reasons for why yeah. someone would not want to see a male therapist. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. But. But. Yeah. that's not always the case yeah. two key traps in therapy so a supportive approach to a client is commonplace in therapy but this may repeat the very pattern as a therapist you're trying to change with someone's got yeah. a histrionic P-day, right you if you're supporting them you're indulging a pathological need neediness their desire to be taken care of and they they reward the therapist by making the therapists feel great mm. Countertransference therapists apparently feel drained of attention support and nurturance which is exactly how everyone else around them would feel Yeah, they likely set goals to impress their therapists mm-hmm. so rather than actually meaningful goals themselves yeah. the text I read sort of said well they should be actually relatively easy to spot. Yeah. <laughs> as a therapist. And so the, the cognitive part of it is like relates to them not reflecting on themselves. And, but also, like, because of their attachment growing up, they were rewarded for being attractive, mm. not for being independent and competent. Yeah. If they become competent, then they may fear being undesirable. Yeah. And not, in the case of a female, um, stereotypically female. Yeah. Because, like, the gender role women is. Women aren't
1: supposed to be competent. Women aren't supposed to be competent. <laughs> yeah. Right.
0: And so they would then fear separation from yeah. the therapist because they're then being competent. Yeah. And actually, and, but also it's like, if, if you have a client who is becoming competent, then you would then naturally go, well, how are we doing? How mm. long do you need to come here for? Yeah. Right? Yeah. As is a it an, time to, yeah. A, yeah, you know, that kind of <laughs> thing. Like, so yeah. it's really really interesting trap. So therapy aims, it has been a sort of a long talk on therapy, but therapy aims, so the difficulty in treating someone with with histrionic personality disorder is that the style of the PD is essentially at odds. With the usual goals of therapy, Mm -hmm. which is to make the unconscious conscious and producing that corrective emotional experience, right? Yeah, and so basically, you know, their distractible cognitive style prevents any kind of reflection on their own vulnerabilities, yeah, core beliefs, that kind of stuff. So, as a result, like goal setting is really important, Mm -hmm. like within the session, not just also, and then also between sessions, because you would be talking about everything but doing nothing. Mm. You've got to try and keep therapy on track. And then this can also have this idea of like helping with identity development. People with history and PD don't have a good sense of identity because yeah. they don't reflect on themselves. Yeah. But helping them to think about what they want to do mm. would help them do that. Yeah. Although I always hate that when so says, "What are your goals?" as a blah blah blah. And like mm. I don't want to think don't about don't that, know. man. Like. Everything will be fine. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. That my Leave me alone. What do you think? <laughs> my first clinical supervisor was like, like in the workplace, it was like, well, you know, what kind of clinician you want to be? I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> like
1: An employed one. <laughs>
0: like, just, but I'm working. It's not good enough. Like, you need to motivate people with histrionic pd in therapy so you need like set goals that are meaningful for them yeah and like also goals that have like immediate gratification yeah
1: so they're achievable (laughs) so they're achievable,
0: but also like yeah yeah achievable and quick yeah and quick and quick they talked about that they don't ruminate so getting them to record thoughts which is the mainstay of cognitive therapy yeah don't just don't bother doing that but they did have a tip which is getting them to respond in an overly dramatic fashion Mm -hmm. so using yeah their dramatic histrionic nature to kind of respond to their own you know, interesting negative thoughts yeah yeah
1: yeah i quite like that yeah yeah
0: i like it when you can use someone's personality yeah to draw them in mm. yeah absolutely <laughs> <laughs> um we talked about service training so this idea basically the goal is to get them to give up seducing others mm-hmm. and get them to you know deal with things in a more straightforward fashion yeah. right? get them to do listening skills so they pay more attention which was just like did you I don't know if you saw the news where Donald Trump there was a photograph of Donald Trump mm. and he was holding he was holding a, a meeting with yes. some victims of a yeah. sh- recent shooting yep. and on this like cheat sheet card someone took a photograph of mm-hmm. it and it's like there was a statement saying I, I hear you
1: yeah <laughs> yeah you shouldn't need a reminder you shouldn't <laughs> need
0: a reminder but do, yeah. yeah So, and but, that, but that's the classic thing which mm. is like Say that, yeah, and then just generally to helping them recognise their pattern of theatrics mm-hmm. that they seek to take centre stage. Have I gone on too long about this stuff? No, like? oh, okay. So one one aspect we've
1: gone down the rabbit hole.
0: <laughs> definitely, <laughs> got, definitely gone on one aspect is to help them like learn this pattern, and then they have this suggestion, which is to make them realise that this pattern is. To get this pattern to be ego dystonic, mm-hmm. so this idea that you help them realize that when they're always creating attention themselves, that it comes across as they're signaling that they're under that they're desperate, that yeah. they have an underlying desperation. Yeah. And if they're able to, like, link that, then mm-hmm. it becomes ego dystonic, which is like, I like, don't want that. I don't want to be like that. Yeah. And so they then become motivated to change that, hmm, right? Yeah. And then
1: sort of highlighting the, the negative consequences of, of those behaviors yeah. and how that doesn't fit with what you're actually trying to do.
0: Yeah, whereas like what, how would you describe ego syntonic?
1: Uh, that what you're doing or what you're feeling is consistent with yeah. who you think you're... you're self to be yeah yeah yeah. Yeah. It, yeah
0: so like like ocd versus ocpd so ocd yeah. is like like oh my god like i i like i know that washing my hands 10 times is yeah. ridiculous but i have to do it that's ego it. dystonic yeah. versus like oc uh, obsessive compulsive personality disorder yeah. which is like i'm a
1: neat person i I'm, organize everything
0: of course i would have labeled yeah the entire cut pantry as to where everything goes yeah. so no one like and spoon all the spoons are spooning in the drawer yeah, yeah that kind of thing yeah. right so like you know there's like it, it's who they are mm. right so what you're trying to do is make them realize that it's not yeah right it's not helpful and then this idea of like doing greater exposure so like having increasing amount of time amounts of time where they don't seek to be the center of attention mm-hmm. so the histrionic pd person would find that anxiety provoking yeah so you would treat it in the same way you would treat like a
1: Uh, like social anxiety or something in a way yeah yeah because it's interaction so yeah it would be about that sort of trying to yeah have the conversation focus on someone else yeah rather than on on you yeah i mean
0: it's like the the strategy i would think about would be like okay so when you're in a setting you gotta wait for two minutes before you start talking about yourself yeah or like before you can talk about yourself you gotta let someone else talk about themselves Mm right yeah and just do that for longer and longer
1: yeah extend it out
0: yeah yeah and ask
1: a question about someone else yeah before <laughs> yeah.
0: you start talking about yourself yeah or if you notice yourself doing that like stop and ask them a question that kind of thing like so yeah like really pragmatic mm. is, is a help. shifting the dynamic yeah 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 and it's actually quite interesting to do that for yourself yeah Yeah, and definitely because obviously like i read this stuff and i thought about it <laughs> I, <Yeah>. went to, <laughs> I went to some social interactions like oh i wonder what happened if i changed that so
1: what stop talking about yourself or started talking about yourself stop
0: stop talking about <laughs> yourself
1: <laughs> you never know
0: yeah you never know um i mean the important thing is just to mention to shrinks pod and that they can listen to yeah, me talk to
1: you talk yeah, yeah. and then, <laughs> then at the end of time you'll edit <coughs> out all of my comments and so then it's just you talking <laughs> and, and agreeing get, with yourself and then get
0: them to follow us on twitter yeah or like look at our website, Email. <laughs> so. And, yeah. Hang on, that, that, that's a break bit. Anyway, um, and it is that seat. <laughs> we switch seats. Uh, so the um, psychodynamic... <laughs> back to treatment. It's that seat. <laughs> the psychodynamic perspective on therapy talks about the transference between you and the client. So if you're a male therapist, you would address the seductive in-session manoeuvres yeah. between you and the client And then get them to reflect on, like, is that the way in which you interact with males more generally, Mm -hmm. right? If you're a female therapist, you would draw connections to the contempt for the therapist and females more generally out Mm -hmm. in the real world. So, but you need to be having a good relationship with that person first, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah, you can't start that in the first five minutes. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And talks about kind of like giving praise for self-reliant non-sexual behavior, so that which is like the reverse of the upbringing mm. and so i would imagine you would want because they would crave praise yeah so you'd be wanting to be thinking about giving praise in a structure in, in, in a, a
1: contained a, yeah
0: in a contained way but in like a way where you deliberately you see something and you go oh, that was amazing yeah like perhaps more than you and would really, with another client
1: and have it really clear about what was amazing Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, not yeah. just like you were amazing or yeah. you did a great job, but going because you did this. Yeah. Or, yeah.
0: Yeah, so you'd be building up the part of themselves that mm. had not developed in their childhood for yeah. whatever reason. So, hmm. so I mean, that's uh, interesting. That, that's my take on history. But see, it was interesting. Yeah,
1: yeah, definitely. <laughs> Shall we take a break? Let's take a break. Yes.
0: And we'll be back with things we came across. See you soon. In the beginning of
1: the history of experimental observation, or any other kind of observation on science,
0: we're having intuition. a break.
1: Yes. It's intuition. Yes, we are.
0: You uh, haven't it, put it, your hot it, fox on, on your, your yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit, we started recording this bit and immediately. <laughs> so the hot fox <laughs> is like, is like, is like a. If you've heard this during the podcast. It's a heat bag. It's a heat bag that's in the shape of Fox, Foxy. Yeah, Uh, and which you have
1: been referring to as Hot Fox.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I've not been referring to a Hot Fox.
1: Are you sure? I feel like you did. (sighs) Okay, so the silliness (sighs) isn't that seated to me.
0: (laughs) We switched seats. Normally she sits on one side of the table, I sit on the other, and we were hoping that maybe that would...
1: No. I don't know. I I was fine until this segment. (laughs) What are we doing? Oh, yeah. So, this is the bit where we say thank you for listening and to send us all sorts of adoration. Give us lovely compliments and ratings on iTunes. Visit our website, 2 Send us tweets with interesting things you've come across or
0: just follow us on Twitter.
1: Just follow us on Twitter, 2ShrinksPod. Send us emails, let us know. Yeah, I mean, if you think we—if yeah, you, like you, you,
0: we, if, if you think we screwed something up, or if you think that you've got an interesting insight that we could pursue or some of like that, we'd love to hear from you.
1: If you think another pronunciation argument needs to be settled publicly, <laughs> let us know what that is.
0: If you're you back <laughs>
1: at gmail.com, <laughs> <laughs> thank you very much for listening. Shall we get back to it?
0: <laughs> Let's get back to it. <laughs> So we're back from our break and uh, we are not going to talk about histrionic PD anymore. This is our seg- segment. Not ever. Oh, okay. For now. For <laughs> this episode. So um, this is our segment, Things We Came Across, where mm-hmm. we talk about something fun and unusual but psych-related. Yes. So, Amy, it's uh, you're. we're just going to do a single thing we All came right. across.
1: I will go for it.
0: You sound so excited, Amy. <laughs> Come on.
1: Woo-hoo. Um, so this week I got the idea from another podcast that I've been listening to mm-hmm. called Every Little Thing. Have you heard of that? Mm. And so they do, essentially, people have questions or one of the hosts will have a question that they want to find out about. Like a little thing in the world that they're curious about. Like
0: the correct pronunciation of Trey? Exactly. Yeah.
1: And then they investigate that and report on it. Yeah. Yeah. So, this last week, one of the things that they looked into was about goosebumps, about why, like, it makes sense why you get goosebumps when you're cold or whatnot, Mm -hmm. physiologically. Yeah. But why is it that you get goosebumps? With music. With music. Yeah, right. Yeah. So, they found this guy, talked to him, absolutely fascinating. But then it got me thinking about how much research was actually out there about goosebumps. And there's a reasonable amount. Like, Mm. most of it's... Recent, mm-hmm. But so I found one called On Personality and Pillar Erection, Individual Differences in Aesthetic Chills and Other Unusual Aesthetic Experiences by Silver and Nussbaum in 2011 in Psychology of Aesthetics, Creativity and the Arts. So they were interested in factors related to aesthetic chills, which they defined as goosebumps or shivers in reaction to art. <laughs> um, and so they did what all good psychology researchers do when they need a pool of people. First year students. undergraduate Yeah, psychology (laughs) undergrads. That's it. get course credit.
0: (laughs) White females from middle class, that kind of thing. Yeah. Right-handed. Yeah, all of the above. Yeah, that's
1: it. So they had a larger study going, and this was just a subsection of it. They asked them what area of the arts they encounter most in day-to-day life, and then they were presented with 12 items, and they had to indicate on which on each one how much they had certain reaction to that type of art Mm -hmm. so you know how often do you get goosebumps from listening to music Mm -hmm. that sort of thing and then they also measured big five traits uh, people's fluid intelligence and then their experience with the art so whether they were a creative major or not so they looked at what predicted overall getting any sort of aesthetic experience Mm -hmm. which turned out to be broken down into a feeling of Chills, feeling touched or moved, and then being really absorbed in something. So, for the overall, yes, I feel these things. Personality predicted half of the variance in whether people had this or not and how much. Mm -hmm. Found that openness to experience was the big one that predicted it. So, if you're more interested in new things and being open to new experiences, Mm. then you're more likely to get goosebumps Mm. or chills from music or whatnot. Music mm. was the most common to, the
0: Did chills be multiplying? Yes, yes, be exactly. control. Yeah.
1: yeah. <laughs> I want more of those. <laughs> um, uh, they found that high fluid intelligence predicted low aesthetic What's experience. fluid intelligence? So that's sort of non-verbal oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. reasoning, that sort of stuff. Yeah. That if you're higher in that, you didn't have that kind of reaction to music as often mm-hmm. or to art. It was mainly music or movies people reported. And then each category they broke it down with that as well and so they found that openness was the predictor for feeling chills and feeling absorbed Mm -hmm. but feeling touched was about agreeableness Mm. which kind of makes sense that sort of sense of connection to other people yeah yeah Yeah. but gender didn't have a huge amount of a role in it Yeah, it was pretty low and experience with the arts was pretty low as well so it seemed to be like a something that happened across
0: Mm. across populations do you get goosebumps listening to music
1: i do i sometimes get it listening to music sometimes in scenes in movies Mm. some of the stuff that they talked about on the podcast and i couldn't find the research i was really interested in looking at it but couldn't find it was that we get goosebumps more when it's a mixed emotional thing so something funny happening in a sad environment for example or something like that that's
0: like multiple systems aroused or something?
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, right. Yeah, there you go. I and there's a guy who's invented, the guy mm-hmm. who they spoke to, a little box camera thing that he puts on people's arms to me- measure the degree of goosebumps.
0: Wow.
1: Which I kind of thought was cool.
0: That was cool. <laughs> yeah. I did a music and cognition subject. Yeah. And it was run by a very, like in, like one of these people, academics that was incredibly intelligent. His name was Jeff. Pressing. Hmm. But he talked about music, and that there's a particular type of music, mm. like a particular musical passage, yeah. that will trigger goosebumps or tr- trigger that kind of electric,
1: interesting. Thing.
0: And, it, and it's a particular combination of notes, yeah, or something. I, for the life of me, I can't think of what it is. I'll yeah. try and figure out what it is because it, it, it still out.
1: seems like an odd thing. Like even though there was a fit, um, you know, a little bit of research out there, it still seems pretty. Murky about why it actually is that you get goosebumps. Yeah. It's like you can say some people are more or less likely, yeah. but there's some There's some famous why. pieces
0: of music that will do it. No, but it's, it's interesting. I like that yeah. idea of multiple systems.
1: Yeah. Yeah, me too.
0: So. I, I certainly found with getting moved, watching movies before I became a clinician and mm. then after, I never cried in movies. Mm. Ever. And then started doing clinical work. Interesting. Uh, much more, become much more tearful <laughs> over movies. Interesting. Yeah. I wonder why. My theory is that I would like hold it all in. Yeah. Like you, you're you're very good at being composed at yeah. work. And
1: so there's more of a sort of release. Where yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah that yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. Very interesting. I don't know. <laughs> what yeah.
0: about you? Are you a? I. You would take the tissue box to the cinema.
1: Yeah, but more if I'm on my own than if I'm with other people. Yep. Like, And that's probably my reaction to movies and things in general. I'm quite conscious of whoever's with me and their reaction. Yeah. And how they're interpreting what's going on in the movie. So, I find it quite jarring if I'm with someone, say, who laughs at different parts of the movie than I do. Yeah, right. Because it's like I can't shut out their experience
0: I get too self-conscious
1: yeah but certainly you know at home or stuff like that there'll be particular scenes in movies that do it every time and I have no idea why but they
0: just like tearful. yeah like the end of my girl oh god (laughs) you can't (laughs) see with those glasses no no, don't (laughs) oh my god (laughs) oh
1: my girl
0: (laughs) gets me every time yeah (laughs) yeah A battle-hardened clinician, but yeah, watching yeah. the Chorley Culkin movie. Yeah. Anyway, but yeah, it's fascinating. It is, that yeah. That kind of thing.
1: And why why that response to...
0: Yeah, I, the end of Shawshank Redemption. Oh, uh, yeah. Where he's like, the, there's the monologue that Morgan Freeman's doing and, yeah. and he's walking along the beach. Yeah. that the guy's, every time, gets me.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I can see that. <laughs> yeah. That kind yeah. of thing. Yeah. There you go. So that's my things we gave across. us.
0: <laughs> that's it. Well, uh, thanks for listening. Yeah,
1: we'll see you next time.
0: Let's see you next time. Bye. Thanks. Bye.